And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians chapter 2. Um, if you haven't been with us, we're, we're going through a short mini-series um, on our values as, as a church. I think, uh, yep, we, we have uh, our mission statement there um, that is new that we rolled out recently. As Harvest Community Church, we gather as a family, grow as disciples, and go to our neighbors and the nations. And then each week we're taking uh, one of, one of our, our values. And these are ways that we're hoping as a church that we, we can be marked with these values. These would be traits that, uh, that if someone was to describe our church to someone else, they, they'd say, oh yeah, th- this is what these, these people are like. Do we have a, a slide with the values? Alex, there we go. So last week we, we talked about being gracious. This week we're talking about being servants. Um, and one of the first passages when I, when I think of serving, uh, one of the first passages I think of is Philippians 2. So let's just jump right in. Verse 1, Paul says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. And he says this, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. So Paul gives us instruction here on how, how we're to love one another, right? We're not, we're not to be selfish, um, which, which that's how the world operates, right? We're not supposed to operate like the world. Instead of being zoned in on, on what I want, on what my preferences are, on what I like, what I prefer, uh, I'm to have an eye. We're to have eyes towards others, right? Looking out for uh, their wants, their needs, their preferences. And, and Paul says this in, in such a strong way that in humility, that we count others as more significant than ourselves, right? And this is not natural for us. But Paul knows that, that if we're not humble in our view of ourselves, and, and we will not serve others. There's no chance, right? With, without humility, there is no service. And, and this is the mindset of the humble believer, that they look out at others, and they count that person, he says, as more significant, right? We, we raise them up in our minds, this, this category that they are so important to us, right? We think of them as, as so significant that we would do whatever it takes, right? Whatever we can to serve them. And, um, and that sounds like nearly impossible. And yet, if you're a parent, you, you, you've done this with your kiddos, right? At least every parent I've met, right? You don't even need training. It's when you have that baby, then, then everything shifts for you, right? And it, and it, and it has to be that way because this, this new one, this little one is totally dependent on you. So you are ready to give up sleep. And I know we have several, uh, we have several parents in the room with young babies. I, I, I do, it's been a long time since I've had a baby, so I, I don't remember exactly what it's like, but I know you're giving up sleep. You don't even remember what REM sleep is anymore. Um, but you do that, right? Because this baby absolutely needs you. They're totally dependent on you. So suddenly, even if you'd count yourself as a pretty selfish person before having kids, suddenly you're able to elevate them. I'm not saying you don't ever get stressed and frustrated. I get that. But, but you, you look at them and, and, and their needs are so significant to you. 
And, and your kids, they age, obviously, and, and they become less dependent. Um, so so this, this counting them as, as more significant, it might shift, but, but it's, it's still there, right? So I could, uh, uh, in a couple weeks here, the basketball season starts, and after a long day, I could go and, and, and sit down on my couch hoping to watch my Blazers uh, win a game, though they probably won't this year. Um, and my, well, they'll win some, like 20 maybe, but, um, and, and I sit down, I'm ready to watch the game and, and, and Hudson, my 11 year old, maybe comes over to me and says, hey dad, can we throw the ball? And I'm thinking, oh man, I'm so tired. My shoulder hurts. I want to watch my stinky blazers. And then I think, man, yeah, let's go throw the ball. Let, let, I'm asking you all the time to get off devices. Let's go, let's go be together, right? If you've had kids, you, you know what it's, it's like to do this for another human being, to count them as more significant. You've done it for your family and Paul's expa- expanding this to the body of Christ, right? And, and even beyond, Paul says that you live this way for your church family, right? This, this mindset with, with kids might not come so naturally with others. It, it certainly takes more work, right? To, to even notice their wants and their needs, and then to consider those wants and needs actually is, is, is more important than, than your own. This mindset, mentally putting others or, or counting others as more significant than yourself leads you to sacrifice, right? Because serving certainly involves sacrifice. It, it involves changing the plans that you had, it involves sacrificing time. It, it involves probably sacrificing resources, uh, perhaps sacrificing uh, relaxation or even, even sleep. Maybe it means that, that that sacrifice is you sitting in a conversation that if you're totally honest, you're not really that interested in that, in that but you're interested in them. You're, you're elevating them, so you're gonna sit and you're gonna listen, maybe you won't talk much, but this means a lot to them, so right now it means a lot to you. You sacrifice, we sacrifice for one another. Verse four, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Doesn't that sound a lot like what Jesus said when he said, love your neighbor as yourself? Right, which means we all actually know how to do this. Right? We know how to love ourselves. Therefore, we can figure out how to love someone else. So we sacrifice time and, and resources to make sure that that person is, is cared for, that person is loved. This word interest, it's open-ended. So it could mean just about anything. It could be look not only to your own finances, but also to the finances of others. Look not only to your own emotional health, but also to the emotional health of others. Look, look not only to your own property, but also the, the property of others. I mean, it goes on and on and on. The possibilities really are endless. And then in verse 5, what he says is, is amazing. He says, have this, this mind, right? this mindset that he's been describing. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Right? For, for those in Christ, we can have this mindset, he said, that, that sounds so, um, so difficult, so impossible to us. But, but in Jesus, everyone in Jesus can have this, this mindset. And he goes on, verse 6. Who though, speaking of Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus gave up his rights and privileges uh, of being God, which is not to say he ceased being God, right? As he took on flesh, he added humanity to his deity. And just by coming in human form to earth, he, he gave up a lot. Man, our God is a God who serves, right? Our God is unlike any of the supposed gods that, that uh, were worshiped as Paul wrote this, right? For the worshipers of those idols, the relationship was, hey, I'm gonna find a way to, to keep this God from being angry at me, right? So, so, you, so they don't punish me, right? They, I, I don't wanna be harmed. I'm gonna figure out how to serve them and, and, and maybe even make them happy. Maybe to the point where, the, where they will actually give me something that I want. It was this transactional interaction and we look at our God, and he, he humbled himself, right? There is no serving without humility. Jesus coming to us was, was not somehow beneath God, right? We think back to Yahweh choosing Israel. He chose them to be his own people, and it wasn't because they were worthy. It wasn't because they had potential. No, it was just because he loved them. And what do we read? What do we see of what he wanted to do? Well, he wanted to be with them, right? He wanted to live in the midst of his people. And you think back to the, the tabernacle and the temple. That's, that's what that pictured, right? God making a way to live right in the middle of his people, even though they were sin-filled and he was holy. And then we fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is the ultimate picture of God making a way to live among his people. The Gospel of John, you might remember in chapter one, it talks about that in 114. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt, dwelt among us, it's, it's tabernacled. Right? Jesus tabernacled among us. Jesus came in the flesh. He set up his tent right in the middle of our camp. He was the temple. He was the sacrifice. And Jesus is so unlike any, any God of our imagination. Paul says he took on the form of a servant, right? It's, it's shocking enough that, that Jesus came down in the flesh, Right? You'd imagine that he would come down as an earthly king, born into wealth, uh, born into opulence, but he didn't. Right? He, he came down born to two poor teenagers. I was, I was thinking about it, like, man, he, if I were doing it, I would have at least come when there was like indoor plumbing, right? running water, but he didn't. He, he, he condescended down to, to earth he didn't come with pomp and circumstance, but he came like Paul writes in the form of a servant. He took on flesh. He's born into humble circumstances. He dealt with all the frailties of human life to serve the Father and to serve the people that he loved. 2.9, Paul says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And if, you're, if you've never heard that verse, I think you actually have an advantage to some of us that, that have heard that verse over and over again. Because if you're familiar with that verse, we might forget how peculiar it is, how upside down the kingdom of God is, that Christ is exalted by absolutely lowering himself. 
right? The way of his exaltation is humbling himself, not just taking on flesh, but in laying down his own life, right? In God's kingdom, the way up is to be lowly. And Christians, we follow Jesus in being a servant. Let's turn to another passage that I think of when I think of serving. John 13. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. Uh, Jesus, uh, let's see, uh, verse 1 uh, of chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of uh, this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end, right? He's, he's nearing death. Verse 2, during supper... When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Right, And their, their feet got absolutely uh, disgusting e each and every day, right? They, they, their feet weren't covered by shoes like ours. They wore sandals. The streets and paths they walked on were dry. They're dirty. They're dusty. Um, I, I don't know about you, and I don't mean to give you too much information, but my feet sweat. Um, so if I'm in a situation like that, like the dust is going to collect on my feet, and, and eventually that sweat will dry, and it's, it's gross. Okay, I'll give you that. It's just gross. I don't deal with the animal droppings that they would have been like dodging to and just imagine or don't imagine maybe, but some stepping in something from a camel or some other animal. Now, when we go to someone's house, uh, I, I know we don't, not everyone does this, but, but a lot of houses you'll go in and you'll take off your shoes as you come into someone's house. Uh, when, when they came into someone's house, um, a lot of times there would be a, a servant there and this would be the, the, the lowest servant was the one that would wash the feet of the guests, right? Not an enjoyable job. I'd be shocked if any servant said, you know what, I wanna take that one today. So for Jesus to do this, it, it, it blew the minds of his disciples, right? None of the disciples thought on their own, you know what, there's no one here to wash feet. I should do that, right? And I don't think it's exaggerating to say that all of them assumed that they were above washing feet, which just makes me wonder, man, what do I think I'm above doing, right? What is, what is lower than I'm willing to go in, or, in order to serve others? For Jesus, there's no limit. And you can imagine the disciples, as, as Jesus gets up from the table, they're thinking, ah, what, what's he doing? Is, is he going to get more wine, or is, is there another course that we don't know about of food? And, and then he takes off his garments, and he grabs a towel, and, and, and they're thinking, is he going to, it almost looks like he's going to wash someone's feet. No, that can't be it. That's crazy. And then, and then he grabs the water, and he pours it into the basin, and what seemed crazy is happening, and he starts washing their feet. And my guess is, as he's washing those feet, those first few people, they're in such disbelief that they couldn't even speak. I wonder maybe if they were embarrassed, right? That they didn't think 
that they should be doing this for Jesus. They didn't even consider to do this for, for one another, but how did they not think of Jesus? Maybe, maybe, they were, maybe they were so embarrassed that they couldn't talk. Maybe not, right? Maybe some of them still believe that they were, they were too good for this. And, and yet here is their own teacher, the person that they call Lord, the person they call Master, the one they've come to know and love, and he's doing the unthinkable. And then Jesus gets to Peter, right? The other guys said nothing, but what will Peter do? Oh, Peter, verse six. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm going to do, you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Man, we, we can falsely think, Jesus, I can deal with my own dirty feet. But part of the gospel, uh, the first part of the gospel is, is recognizing I can't take care of my dirt. Right? I, I can't take care of the, the gunk in my life. I can't take care of my own sin. And you come to that conclusion by trying and trying and trying, and it doesn't work out. Jesus, I need you to cleanse me. And Jesus is, is strong with Peter here. He says, Peter, if you don't let me, you've no share in me. If you don't let me wash your feet, you've no part of me, which is a bold statement, especially considering Judas, right, who, who truly has no part in Jesus. So he, he's saying, Peter, you don't let me do this, and you're like the guy that's about to sell me for silver. And Peter, though, he, he, he knows he goofed up, but he doesn't really get it. And, and he knows he wants Jesus. So verse nine, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That's why he said, not all of you are clean. Verse 12, when he washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If then I, your, te your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done to you. Man, if Jesus serves, we serve. I, uh, my first job in high school, I was a dishwasher at this restaurant uh, called The Chart House. It's no longer in Vancouver. It was actually the building's not even there anymore. It was, it was uh, you know, by the I-5 bridge there, right along the waterfront. Joe's Crab Shack used to be there. Before that was Joe's Crab Shack, it was Chart House. I assure you it was nicer than, than Joe's Crab Shack. It was, it was kind of a, for Vancouver, it was a fancy place. Um, and I was a dishwasher, right? And, and all the glory of being a dishwasher. Um, I got to deal with just all the, the nasty dishes. And it, it, was, it was a hot, sweaty job. Normally, uh, uh, on the weekdays, there'd be two of us back there. On the, on, on the weekends, or, or if there was a big event, um, there'd be three of us back there. And, and sometimes, even with three of us, we could not keep up. Um, if, if the 
if the place was just hopping that night. So then they would send a busboy back to help us. Now the busboy uh, was dressed nicer than us. I mean, we're in, we're in grubbies and like aprons and just getting nasty. He, he had to go back out front once he's done helping us. So he, all he did was like move the clean dishes to where they go. Um, but there's one night in particular, uh, I think it was uh, Valentine's Day and a guy called in sick. So there were only two of us. And, and our, our boss, Ron, our manager, we had three managers. Ron was the, the, the manager over everyone. Awesome guy, loved, loved working for him. He came to us and he said, guys, tonight it's gonna be really hard. We've tried calling other people in. We can't get anyone in here. Let me know what you need. And, uh, and this other you know, 17-year-old and I were like, we've got this and we're, we're working hard. And at first it looked like we were gonna keep up, like we could do this. But then that mound of, of, of dishes just, it, it was too much. And our morale was, was sinking pretty quickly. So Ron got one of the busters to come back and they're, they're helping us. And, and it did help, but that night was worse than, than normal nights. And we were just dying back there. And Ron comes back and, and I can see him like through this rack that we kept some dishes on. I could see him and he's loosening his tie. I'm thinking, what is Ron doing? And he takes off his tie and then, and then he, he rolls up his sleeves and comes around the corner. And, and it's like he had this moment of, like, no, I just need to take my shirt off. So he, he takes off his dress shirt. He, he, had a, he had another shirt on underneath, trust me. That would have been super weird, probably illegal. Um, uh, so he, he takes off his dress shirt, throws on an apron. He's got nice slacks on, nice shoes on. And, and he didn't just go to like unload the clean dishes from the dishwasher. He started tackling the pile of dishes that we had to scrub, you know, most of the stuff off of before we get it into the industrial dishwasher. And he's back there with us for like an hour, an hour and a half. And, and you could tell that, that people heard that Ron was like back in the, we called it the dish pit. Um, Cause people were finding a reason to come back there that never were back there. And, and they're like, no, son of a gun. It's true. Ron's, Ron's back here washing dishes. Um, and, and it was, it was, it was shocking to see that. And, and he got us through the hardest part of the night and then he was done and, and that was fine. But man, it impacted every one of us in that restaurant, not just the dishwashers. Certainly it impacted us though. Like we all knew Ron. I think it's safe to say he was everyone's favorite manager of our three managers. We respected Ron. He was, uh, he was kind. Uh, he expected a lot out of, out of all of his employees, but we knew he was fair. Um, what we didn't know, though, was the lengths that Ron would go to to help out. Um, everybody worked harder that night. And, and my, my guess is everyone, at least for a while, worked harder every time Ron was on a shift. Right? If the boss was going to do the, the dirtiest entry-level job, then, then who were we to complain uh, or, or to find a job beneath us? I mean, if Jesus serves if he's going to take off his outer garments, man, we're serving. Nothing's too low for us. Jesus says in verse 16, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Right? The service Jesus calls his followers to has, has no limits. Right? There should be no one that, that we would not serve. There, there should be nothing that is too low for us. Um, 
uh, John 13, 31. Uh, and actually, I'm going to skip, Alex, I'm going to skip all the way to verse 34. Um, it says, a new commandment, Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus' followers are, are marked with this great love for one another, right? It's a love that serves, no matter how lowly. And there will be times that that will be a testimony, not just to other believers as we're serving you know, our, our, our church family, but, but even others that, that aren't yet a part of God's kingdom. Right? There will be times, I, I can look around the room and I can think of times when, when, when some, some tragedy hit someone in our church, right? Or, or, or a surgery or some kind of sickness and they just needed help, right? And, and neighbors see people coming by like every, every couple of days, people bringing meals uh, or, or maybe people coming to help clean the house because they're, they're, they're just that sick. And, and maybe someone shows up on Saturday to mow the lawn. There's, there's a testimony here. Right, to, to people that do not know Jesus as they see uh, the community uh, of Christians coming together to serve one another. And, and my guess is uh, there's, there's this, this wonder of like, man, what, what would it be like? Or I hope at least it would, they would wonder, what would it be like to be a part of a community that loves each other and serves one another? It, it is absolutely countercultural the way that Jesus calls his people to serve. And as we serve, we are a light. We're a light in this dark world pointing to Jesus. Mark uh, 10, 42. Um, uh, Jesus calls them together uh, and he says, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He says the world loves power. The world loves authority. They love to put it in your face. But Jesus says, my people humble themselves like I've humbled myself. They live like they are servants to everyone. Right, because Jesus showed us how, how the citizens of his kingdom live. He showed us that, that what we do is serve. This is who we are. I remember another story uh, of a foot washing in Luke 7. Right? The woman comes in, anoints Jesus' feet with this expensive ointment, right? washes his feet with her tears, drying off his feet with her hair. And what she did offers us such a beautiful picture of, of our posture in serving Jesus, in serving one another, right? She, she had to get down so low in order to dry Jesus' feet with her hair. Man, we go as low. We go as low as, as we can, as low as we need to. And we're made for this, right? God has equipped us to serve. First Peter, uh, I love this. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Peter's discussing uh, spiritual gifts. In Scripture, 
If you don't know this already, Scripture makes it clear that every believer, right, every, every person that is a part of, of the body of Christ is given uh, at least a spiritual gift, if not some spiritual gifts. And, and it's, it's a way that the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers you. And, and Peter says, what do you do with those gifts? You serve, right? We serve one another. And, and when a church is firing on all cylinders, like everyone's using their gifts, it is amazing to watch. Most churches are not that way, right? Most American churches, at least, um, have some people doing most of the work, right? Our, uh, our American culture is so consumeristic, and that, is, that has infiltrated the church. So it's possible to, to come in on a Sunday and think that the only people that are, are to use their gifts are, are the band, right, that are up here using their gifts. Maybe the welcome team, right, being hospitable, and, 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 and the teachers in, in, in Sunday school classes and, and, and preaching from the stage. But that's not how it's to be. Man, every person in the body of Christ is to use their gifts, Right? And maybe there are times in the church where you, you serve in ways that you aren't all that gifted. But man, God gives you what you need in, in that time to serve. And ultimately, it glorifies God. Right? God made the, the church body, the church family to serve one another. This is just the way of Jesus. Everyone pitching in, everyone figuring out their place for them to serve. And maybe you're like, man, I don't know what my spiritual gift is. I'd say, don't let that hold you back. Just jump in and start serving and you'll figure out. You'll figure out like, nope, definitely not supernaturally gifted in that area, right? Or, oh, wait, I think maybe, maybe this is something God has created me to do that I, I just never knew because I hadn't tried. So I'd encourage you, dive in. If you don't know where to serve, come, come talk to someone on staff, talk to one of the elders. We'd, we'd love to find a place for you to serve. And there'll be, there'll be different seasons, um, or let's, let me say it this way, in different seasons, you'll have different capacities to serve, right? There, there are people in our body right now, you've got, you got little kids, right? Or, or maybe actually opposite end of the spectrum, you have aging parents. And, and, and right now in both those situations, like you, you just can't give to the church a, as much as maybe you would like because your, your first responsibility is to take care of your families, to take care of those little kids or, or your aging parents. But there will come a time, there will be another season where you can dive in, where you can serve your church family using your gifts. And there are seasons where, where you can serve more than, than maybe most others. I've seen, uh, I've seen lots of single people of, of all ages in churches, man, just give, give, give. As they don't, they don't have a family, um, so they have a little bit more time, and, and they could use that time on themselves, but instead they, they decide to pour themselves out to, to different ministries. Retired people, man, that's a season where you can serve. And our church body, we have so many great examples of how to live in retired life. Like people that, that just pour out themselves. And, and they, yeah, they still travel, they go on vacations, they do all the retired things. But, but I, I look around and man, I look at people that they've got all this time, they've got just decades of experience and knowledge and they use it to serve our church or they use it to, to serve different ministries. They're leveraging what God has given them for, for his kingdom. Paul in Colossians, he tells us, okay, this is, this is how you're to work. This is your mindset in work. Uh, Colossians 3.22. 
He says, bond servants, obey in everything uh, those who are your earthly masters, right? So these very well might be uh, non-believers, these earthly masters. There could be believers too. Um, he says, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So we, we don't work, whether it's in our job or volunteer service, we don't work for, for people. Like ultimately, he says, we're working for Jesus. We're not working for pats on the back. We're not working for, for attaboys. No, all our work is to be done unto the Lord. We're, we're serving Jesus. And I've talked a lot about um, serving the church. And, and obviously that is, that's our first priority, right? Is, is serving your church family. And if you're like, wait, what do you mean? Well, it's just like with, with, my, with my own family. Like my first job is to take care of them. And, and, then, and then once they're taken care of, then I can go help with the needs of others. It's, it's the same in the church, right? We're, we're to take care of the, the, the church family that we have. And, and then we can go serve others as, as well. One theme that we try to talk about a lot at Harvest is uh, that runs through Scripture is that God blesses us in order to be a blessing. The first place that, that I see that is Genesis 12. He, he says that almost verbatim to Abraham, and I'm blessing you so you can bless the nations, right? It, it's so that they can come to know Jesus. So how has God blessed you in order to serve your neighbors, your, your coworkers, your, your classmates, maybe that don't yet know Jesus? What gifts has he given you? What skills uh, or aptitudes uh, do you have in order to serve others? Uh, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking about Gary Philippe uh, just the other day. Gary, Gary passed away a few years ago. I don't know if Marilyn is here today or not, but um, man, Gary was a sweet brother in Christ. Gary loved cars. He loved working on cars. He loved to weld. He just, uh, he had a huge shop. He loved to tinker with things, right? And building things. And he, it seems like every couple of weeks, we're, we're talking and he's like brainstorming, like, okay, man, how, how, can I, how can I get some guys together maybe that don't know Jesus and we can work on cars together and, and, and I can try and connect them with Jesus. Like he was just always thinking about taking these, these, these hobbies that he just loved and these skills that he had and he wanted to leverage them for God's kingdom. And there are, there are all kinds of, of ways that, that we can serve our community, serve people that do not yet know Jesus. Uh, there are two uh, parachurch ministries that we're connected with um, that, that do an excellent job of this. Young Life, um, it's a ministry uh, that, that's reaching out to, to mostly kids that don't know Jesus in the schools, both high school and middle school. We've got a lot of people that, that are helping out there. Um, and as was mentioned earlier, Pathways Pregnancy Clinic, right? This is an opportunity that we have in our community and some of those people, maybe they would never come to church, but they find themselves at Pathways, and, and there are these Christians there that are helping them in probably the scariest moment of their life up to that point. Man, what a privilege it is to come and, and walk alongside someone else as they're facing life head on. Anyway, both of those organizations need, need more volunteers. At the end of the service, actually, you're going to get to hear uh, from my friend Jennifer about Read Northwest. Uh, she's going to share an opportunity that, that we have to go right into the schools and, and help, uh, help little kids uh, learn how to read. Um, one more verse for you. Mark 9.34. Um, they're, well, in, in verse 34, they're arguing about who's the greatest. And then verse 35, uh, it says, he, he sat down, called the, the 12, and he says to them, if anyone would be first, 
He must be last of all and servant of all. So upside down. The kingdom of God is so upside down from how we think. So where, where are you serving? How are you using your gifts, brothers and sisters in Christ? Right? How are you serving those who don't yet know Jesus? How are we serving one another in this body? All of us are gifted to. We're all called to. We're all responsible to. Uh, I, I had a realization late last night, so it's probably going to feel like I tacked this on to the end of the sermon here because I, I am. Um, uh, I, I was convicted uh, yesterday. Uh, Trist, uh, Kristen, not Tristan, uh, Kristen, uh, who is uh, deacon of women, head of women's ministry. She's the one that, that planned the whole Bunko event yesterday, which was super fun. Thank you for doing that. Um, and she sent me a text. We were texting back and forth about different details. And then she said something like, hey, Greg, I, I really hope that, that after we're done, you can just get out of here and not worry about cleanup. And I texted back something like, oh, ha, 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 I'm not very good at that. Um, it's hard for me to, I don't know what I said. I was trying to basically say, yeah, I'm going to help. Um, and then Kristen said, and she didn't know I was preaching on serving today. She said, ah, I, I really want to serve your family in that way, Greg. Like she pushed me back a little bit. And it was just like this, this conviction. I'm like, why, why do I struggle with that? And my guess is a lot of us probably struggle. Like we're, we're ready to serve but we have a hard time letting people serve us. And for me, I realized that at least in that circumstance, it's a pride issue. It, I, I don't want people in, in the church that I serve to think that I'm not willing to work hard, right? That I'm not willing to wipe a table down or not that that's hard work. <laughs> um, it, it, it was, you know, you're gracious. Um, uh, I, I realized it's totally pride. Like that's, that's why I didn't, that's why I want to be here till the end. And even still, I picked up some tables and Kristen's like, get out of here, Greg. And like, yeah, you're right. But man, we got to let people, we can't only serve, we've got to let the body of Christ serve us as well. Because when we don't, we're actually robbing people of letting them use their gifts, right? That God has created them to use. We're, 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 sh we're short-circuiting how he's created the body to function. So I was convicted by that last night, getting ready for bed. I'm like, ah, I got to say this in front of everybody. Um, but man, we have such an opportunity to serve and there's so much joy when, when, we, when we realize that our serving that we're doing, whether it's for other believers or, or people that don't yet know Jesus, when we realize that we're doing that unto the Lord, there's such, such joy in that. Would you pray with me? God, you are, you are so good, Lord. You, you, are, you, you just shatter every category of how we would imagine God to be. Lord, it, it, uh, it blows us away that you would humble yourself by coming down, by taking on flesh, and, and then by laying down your life for us. God, would you help us? Because if we're honest, most of the time we don't want to serve, or there are, maybe there are ways that we're willing to serve, but there are other things we just don't want to do. We'd love to find a way out of it. God, would you, would you help us more and more to be great with being low? God, would we, would we be so ready to lower ourselves in humility and serve whatever in whatever opportunity you give us, Jesus? We love you, Lord. 
we thank you for the grace that you've given us. And we ask that, that you would help us to pour ourselves out, Lord, as an offering to you, as this, as this light that's just pointing straight to you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.